0: 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 navigating difficulties in life part 2 beginning in chapter 1 verse 3 and it's verse 13 and it says this therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy as I am holy. What in the world is holiness? We're being exhorted to live holy. We need to know what does this actually mean? Is it a certain look? Is it a demeanor that we have? Does it require a halo over my head? Is it a demeanor of walking around with prayer hands in front of you? You know, like you're constantly in prayer. That, those things can look holy, but is that holiness? And listen, the world really has no clue or they have a complete misconception of holiness altogether but for the most part we as Christians don't define it as the Bible would define it and that goes back to hundreds of years ago when religious people would define holiness as their own man-made definition. They would teach them to believers in making them think this was holiness from God. Of course Jesus was dealing with people's man-made religious ideas constantly when he was walking on this earth, refuting them with the word of God, and holiness was one of those. Of course, each time Jesus refuted their man-made ideas, they'd confront him, battle with him. For they care what the Bible says, but they cared more about their man-made traditions. An example of that is the Sabbath. Yes, the law says that the children of Israel were to keep the Sabbath, that would be holiness unto God. It was really that simple. Work six days, take a rest from your work and commerce and labor, relax and reflect on God. If Israel would do that, take one day Saturday and rest, that would put a distinctive on them to the rest of the world that does nothing like this. That would be holiness, for this made them different from the standard of the rest of the world. But under legalism, man-made Sabbath rules, the religious leaders said wearing false teeth on the Sabbath was forbidden in case they were to fall out. Uh, but if they were to fall out and a person would naturally bend down to pick them up, and that was considered laboring, working on the Sabbath. False teeth were forbidden to wear. And a woman was not allowed to look into the mirror on the Sabbath for, for reasons she might spot a white hair and they'd be tempted to pluck it out. So according to them, harvesting in that way was forbidden on the Sabbath. Now, all this sounds silly to us, but they were dead serious about this. There were council after council, meeting after meeting, and volumes of books written just on the Sabbath itself. And of course, I don't have time to mention all these man-made add-ons, but let me just say they didn't define holiness of God. Man complicated holiness when in the Bible it was very simple. And of course, today it's the same way. It's still front and center in some Christian circles. In some circles, women are forbidden to wear makeup or jewelry. They have to dress a certain way, and that would be man-made holiness to God. But that's not biblical holiness to God. Biblical holiness is not a turnoff to the world of God, but man-made holiness is a turnoff to the world of God. The Greek word for holiness actually means to be pure. It means to be separated. And true holiness makes us different For the benefit of the kingdom of God. So it's not to take up our time in trying to keep a bunch of rules so to benefit the kingdom of man. It's actually to benefit the kingdom of God. Verse 17 goes on to say, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout this time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, From your aimless conduct received by traditions from your Father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed has foreordained before the foundation of this world, but has manifested in these last times. Who, through him, believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So, everyone in this world. Whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian, always are going to face trials. There's always relationship trials. There's husband and wife trials. There's kid trials. There's parent trials. There's health issue trials. There's commerce trials. There's economic trials. There's loss of a loved one trials. We all pretty much face the same various trials, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. Yet there are trials that are unique to just the Christian, and it's because of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's in those trials that would be working together for our good from a heavenly perspective. We face trials so different than the non-Christian world faces. We face persecution for our faith, mocking for our faith, rejection for our faith, even spiritual warfare because of our faith, which the world really knows nothing about. But there is this temptation when we are being persecuted for our faith that maybe I just need to tone down my Christianity I just maybe need to make some compromises here and there. And that would ease the hurt, the rejection, the pain, the mocking, the persecution. And basically in these verses, Peter is giving us the reason why we should never back off so to save hurt and pain. He's giving us perspective as he actually exhorts us. And there's a couple of reasons why we are not to compromise our faith or backslide from our faith. And he says there in verse 17 that the Lord impartially judges our lives as Christians according to each one's work. See, not only are those who mock us and persecute us are watching us, but God is watching us. You know, if my attention is taken off of God and onto the difficulties I'm facing, then I have a tendency to escape the trial, the difficulties, and getting away from being obedient. God impartially judges our lives as Christians according to each one's work. So in the future... All of us are going to be standing before the Lord. I will look into the eyes. You will look into the eyes and you will give an account of your faithfulness to be obedient to Jesus Christ. First of all, faithfulness to his word and second to faithfulness to my Christian service, the call upon my life. Listen, what is true of me is true of every Christian. All judgment has been given by the Father to the Son. And listen, listen, very carefully, our presence in heaven is guaranteed by our simple faith in Jesus. So we're not talking about a, that's a, that judgment at all. But our position in heaven is dependent upon our faithfulness to God's call and word upon our lives. That's why he tells us for us as Christians, the Lord impartially judges our lives as Christians according to each one's work. You know, our positions and what we're going to have according to our faithfulness In his word and faithfulness to our call. The second thing he has here gives us to not backslide or compromise in trying to escape suffering or trials in our faith. It's because it would mean a return to an aimless life again. God has saved us from an aimless life. Paul talked about that in Ephesians. We were once walked aimlessly. We had no direction from God. We just were putting one foot in front of the other to see where that would lead us. There was no purpose of God. There was no call of God. There was no guidance by the word of God in our life. And I believe Peter understood this very well. For in John chapter 6, as Jesus' popularity was skyrocketing with the people, of course, not all the people had the right motives, for Jesus had just fed 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves of bread. The people were looking at him as a meal ticket. Yeah, we'll follow you listen to what you have to say because at the end, you provide dinner for us. It's like a rescue mission. You know, as long as you hear a sermon, you get to eat. That's why they're looking at Jesus. Well, Jesus knew this of the crowd. And he stood up and he lays out one of the most demanding teachings that he ever delivered, what was required to be his disciple and follow him. And it began one by one, these so-called wannabe disciples were peeling off one after the other until there was only the 12 that were left And Jesus turned to the 12 and says, Hey, there's the path. Are you not going to go too? And Peter said to him, and he spoke for all 12 of them, he said, Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. What in the world? We will never return to an aimless life that had no purpose, had no direction from you. We have no place to go. Those other guys, bye. Basically, how could we ever go back to wandering aimlessly, meandering through life, after we have been with you any of the words of eternal life. Are you kidding me, Lord? You see, Peter understood this walk of faithfulness to the Lord, not to compromise, not to backslide. And the last part right here, beginning in in verse 22, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desires the pure milk of the word that you may grow there by it, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so there is a couple things that are happening here that Peter wants to bring out with the word of God. Its place in our salvation and the word, what it's done in our lives as we have grown by it by staying in it. So number one, God's word brings us to being born again. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We heard we heard that we were sinners. We heard that we were separated from God, but we heard the solution because Jesus died, buried, and resurrected. And now as we receive him into our lives, we become born of God. We are sealed in heaven, guaranteed as our place. That's what we've heard. That's the word that made us born again when we, we received Christ into our lives. The second one, not only does the word of God bring us into salvation and the forgiveness of our sins, but after we become Christians, God's word helps us to grow. Once born again, we need to grow now into spiritual maturity. And without nourishment, it's impossible for there to be growth. You know, whether it's the physical nourishment or spiritual nourishment, spiritual nourishment and growth is through the milk of the word. It's the study of God's word. It's to feed upon his word. It's to obey his word. It's to internalize his word. You know, studying or reading through Christian books or literature like Christian fiction novels, uh, you know, or someone's experience with God in heaven that has really no biblical credibility at all it does not nourish you. There's nothing wrong in reading those books except for the ones that are, have no biblical credibility at all. But if you want to read a Christian fiction novel, that's fine. But understand, you're not growing spiritually. It's not spiritual nourishment. The enduring word of God says growing nourishment is through his word. And that's what I, We need to ingest it. We need to believe it. We need to embrace it. And we need to internalize it. And with this nourishment, you and I will grow. If it is going in one ear and out the other when you're listening to a sermon or you're not really knowing what you're reading in the Bible at all, well, then there's no growing. You have to be internalizing it. You have to be digesting it. You have to be studying it. If you are hearing sermons that are just stories or illustrations and these chicken soup tear jerkers and religious feel-good that's not nourishment for growth. Why? Because there's no word. Because God's word is going to have not only encouragement and comfort, but it's going to have exhortation. It's going to have reproof, rebuking in it, too. It's not going to be all feel good and happy, though we all like those things. And even though the Bible does have those things, no doubt. But also, we need to be warned at times, we need to be challenged at times, as also, we need to be encouraged at times. And that's what God's word will do for us. So we need to feed, and we also need to feed daily, spiritually, on his word. Not just once a week at church, but imagine you know, feeding a, a baby milk just once a week. That is it. Nourishment was given, but it has to be continuing on a daily basis. And understand, Peter's not talking about the degrees of growth like Paul talked about with the milk of the word, and then that leads us to the meat of the word. That milk is just for baby Christians. That's what Paul talked about. But understand, Peter is not doing that here. He's wanting us to have a hunger for the Word like a newborn baby has for milk. You have to feed them that milk around the clock 10 times a day then through the night. So Peter is not talking about the degrees of growth, but he's talking about having a hunger for the Word of God. And I hope that you would have a hunger for God's Word, of wanting to ingest it, wanting to digest it, wanting it to be completely growing in your life as you mature. So, recap. Holiness is important. No compromise. Why no compromise? Because we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account of our faithfulness. And, 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 and number two, and why go back to an aimless life that has no purpose of God, no call of God, no guidance of God? So we don't want to compromise for those reasons right there. And the word of God Hey, that's what saved us. That's, what God, that's what's getting us to heaven because we heard his word and faith came by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And now may we hunger for it. May we nourish ourselves by it day in and day out.